What's up Raider Nation, Matt Holder from Silver and Black Pride here. The Raiders finally got that elusive first W last week against the Broncos, but things are only going to get tougher this week as they now take on the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. But it's still Friday, so that means we've got to go over the news, the injury report, and your mailbag questions. So without further ado, let's do it. We'll kick things off with a customary roster transaction for the Raiders' ever-evolving roster as they signed veteran linebacker Blake Martinez to the practice squad this week. Martinez visited Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and they brought in a handful of linebackers recently, so this comes as little to no surprise and feels like it's been in the works for a while. Martinez is originally from the Tucson, Arizona area and went to Stanford for college where he was a first-team All-Pac-12 performer as a senior. He was then drafted by the Green Bay Packers in the fourth round of the 2016 draft, where he was a starter pretty much from the get-go, and even he was even the NFL's co-leader in tackles with 155 back in 2017. Martinez went on to sign a three-year, $30 million contract with the New York Giants, where he played for Patrick Graham in 2020, but unfortunately he was limited to just three games in 2021 with a torn ACL and was released on September 1st of this year. With Denzel Perryman being banged up and the rest of the linebackers leaving something to be desired, I wouldn't be surprised if Martinez gets the call up sooner rather than later. On a similar note, the Raiders moved Alex Bars from the practice squad to the active roster ahead of last week's games, and it sounds like he'll stick there moving forward as Bars started at left guard for the last two games. In other related transactions, offensive tackle Jackson Barton was waived and then re-signed to the practice squad, while center Billy Price was plucked off the Raiders practice squad and onto the Cardinals active roster. Also, former Notre Dame and Wisconsin quarterback Jack Cohn and wide receivers Albert Wilson and Trinity Benson were in Las Vegas for visits this week, per NFL Network's Tom Pellicero. A lot of people in Raider Nation, myself included, have been disappointed with Chandler Jones' lack of production so far this season, but the coaching staff is still confident in the veteran pass rusher. Head coach Josh McDaniel spoke to the media this week and had this to say about Jones. He's making a lot of plays that don't show up in the stats, and that's probably not going to be good enough for everyone to listen to, but he's making plays in the running game. He drew multiple holding penalties on Sunday. I mean, there's ways to produce, and there is a way to impact the game beyond just the one column that everybody's looking for. I thought he and Max Crosby, Cleveland Farrell, Malcolm Kuntz, Blal Nichols, I thought there was a lot of different things going on up front on Sunday where we created some negativity offensively for them with some of our effort, the way we were playing. We didn't always make the tackle, we didn't always get the sack or the TFL, but we created it for somebody else to have it. Chandler is an unselfish guy, and he understands what his role is. Nobody would want to have more of those than Chandler would, but he also is not going to sit here and get frustrated with those lack of production stats, McDaniels continued. He was in there, Russell Wilton felt him on Sunday for sure. I think impact is sometimes, if you just look at it and measure it by the one column, then you can misjudge it a little bit. I like the way he's playing, I like the effort he's playing with, and I think those will come. I will say, I think Jones had his best game last week, but you'd certainly hope to get more production from a guy that just signed a $50 million contract. That being said, I think there is some truth to the end of McDaniel's quote where he said the sacks will come if Jones keeps doing the right things throughout the year. While we're going over coach quotes, defensive coordinator Patrick Ram talked about game planning for Patrick Mahomes and the challenges that Mahomes presents for a defense. I have a lot of respect for Patrick just in terms of how he came into the league, how much he's improved over time, Graham said. I've gone against him I think twice and it's just amazing the growth that you've seen over the years to be arguably the best player in the league, his ability to make plays in the run game and in the passing game, the decision making out there, the ability to play under pressure. He's been in a lot of pressure games for such a young age and just the ability to run the offense that Coach Reed has out there, his ability to navigate through all of that and be at such a young age, it's pretty astounding. 
He makes plays within the system. He makes plays on a loose play. It's a difficult challenge, and I think our preparation for each week, we try to attack it brand new each week, whoever the opponent is, and trying to see who, to see what they do best, how we can take it away, who they're going to in certain situations. But he just presents so many problems and so many issues. It's challenging. It's going to be a big challenge on Monday night. We look forward to it. That's why we got into this business. There's no question that Mahomes is a tough nut to crack, but Graham was able to keep him to 270 yards on 48 passing attempts with one touchdown and one interception last season with the Giants. Hopefully, the coach can replicate that effort on Monday. Keeping the momentum rolling with coach quotes, offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi talked about the current state of the offense and building confidence after last week's strong performance. Confidence obviously comes from practicing well. I think that's the number one thing, and those guys had a really good week of practice last week, and I think they went into Sunday afternoon saying, you know what, we're going to execute our job, and we feel pretty good about getting the running game going because we executed it in practice, Lombardi said. So again, it goes back to flushing it and moving on. If we don't have a good practice on Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to have a lapse in confidence on Monday night. On the topic of Monday night, Lombardi was asked if he thinks the Raiders will need to win in a shootout against the Chiefs and responded with, I don't really see it that way. I think we see it as we play offense and we're going to try and play complimentary football. We're going to try and take care of the football. I think that's the biggest thing we can do. If we don't turn the ball over, if we convert some third downs and we do better in the red area, those are the things we can control. And obviously I have a great deal of faith in our defense to do their job. They're saying the same thing about us. We have to worry about what we can control first, and that's ball security, that's field position, that's converting third downs, converting short yardage, and scoring in the red area when we get down there. That's really, at the end of the day, what we have to do, and if we do that, I'm sure the game will take care of itself. It's been a while since I brought this up, but there was an update this week on the city of Oakland's attempt to sue the NFL over the Raiders' move to Las Vegas. As a quick reminder, the city's attorneys were claiming that the NFL is operating like a cartel to restrict the supply of new teams to prospective cities, and they could expand by adding new teams in new locations instead of removing or allowing teams to relocate to a new city. Oakland was also claiming that the moving the Raiders has cost the city more than $240 million in damages, plus loss of tax revenue and reduction of property value of the Coliseum. However, Supreme Court Judge A. Wallace Tashima said that there are too many speculative links between the league's actions and Oakland's claimed financial losses, so the case was dismissed by the Supreme Court with a 3-0 vote. I'm far from a legal expert, so I don't know if Oakland can or will appeal, but it sounds like this case can be put to rest. Alright, got a few notes for our quick news wrap up here. First, the NFLPA announced that Raiders tight end Darren Waller was its Week 4 Community MVP for giving his testimony as a recovering substance abuse addict to nearly 400 servicemen and women at the Nellis Air Force Base just outside of Las Vegas. I'm thankful for my selection as the NFLPA Week 4 Community MVP, Waller said in a statement, so many players in the league impact their communities and deserve to be recognized for their service. So, Another awesome addition to Waller's resume is a stand-up human being. The Raiders' 1-3 start to the season has undoubtedly raised some questions about Josh McDaniel's abilities as the head coach, but the Athletics' Jeff Howe wrote an article on every first-year head coach and provided some optimism for Raider Nation. Howe noted that Las Vegas has the fourth easiest remaining strength of schedule, so they should be able to get some more wins if they can stop beating themselves, and Howe also pointed out about what's been said about McDaniel's all-off season, how he's a completely changed man from his time in Denver. The NFL is running its annual Fan of the Year campaign with Captain Morgan, where every team gets to nominate one fan from their fan base, and they get two tickets to the Super Bowl, and then the NFL's ultimate fan will be announced during the league's end-of-the-year award show. 
If you'd like to nominate yourself or a fan that you know for this year's competition, head over to nfl.com slash fan of the year and submit your application. Speaking of fandom, a study conducted by Finance Buzz recently revealed that tickets for away Raider games are marked up 16.5% higher than the average opponent, which was the 6th highest rate in the NFL last season. That means that not only is it expensive to see the Raiders play at Allegiant Stadium, but also fans from other teams are jacking up the prices when the Raiders come to down. So, whether you're planning to catch a game in Vegas or on the road, expect to open up your wallet pretty wide. On a similar note, Betway.com recently did a study on which teams have the best tailgating experience, and Las Vegas ranked 28th out of the 32 clubs. If you think about it though, that makes sense. When casinos are a jump, skip, and a hop away from the stadium, you're probably going to go hang out there before the game instead of on a blacktop parking lot in 110 degree heat. That being said, I do miss the tailgates at the Collie, as those were always epic. Moving on here to the injury report, and unfortunately, with this game being on Monday, the Raiders and Chiefs practice schedule is shifted, where Tuesday is the first injury report of the week. So for you guys for this week, take the injury report I'm giving you as more of a way of me letting you know the names that you want to keep an eye out over the weekend than an actual status for who will be playing on Monday night. Anyway, starting as always with the DNPs for the Raiders on Thursday, tight end Foster Moreau was held out of practice with the same knee injury that kept him sidelined last week. So if he can't go, expect to see the Raiders stay in 11 and 21 personnel again on Monday. Backup safety and special teamer Roderick Teamer was also a DNP, but with an illness, so I would assume he'd be ready to play on Monday. Typically, players who miss for an illness end up suiting up on game day. The coaches just don't want them around the team for the rest of the week during getting everyone sick. The Raiders did get a bunch of good news on this week as linebacker Denzel Perryman was limited in wearing the non-contact red jersey after suffering concussion on Sunday that put some doubt in his status for this week. Wide receiver Hunter Renfro also returned from a concussion, but Renfro did not have the non-contact jersey on and was a full go on Thursday, so he should return after missing the last two weeks. Linebacker Jayon Brown was limited with a hamstring, as was offensive tackle Justin Heron with a knee and tight end Darren Waller with a shoulder, and Waller was wearing the infamous red jersey on Wednesday, but didn't wear wear one on Thursday. Finally, cornerback Sam Webb, hamstring, and Rocky Sin, knee, were both limited, and if Yassin misses his second week in a row, I'd expect practice squad call of Javelin Guidry to see more playing time like he did last week. As for the Chiefs, I'll be honest, they're pretty healthy going into the game. Kicker Harrison Butker has been out since week one with an ankle injury, and he still didn't practice on Thursday, so they'll likely be going with Matthew Wright for the second week in a row. Center Creed Humphrey also missed practice, but that was for a personal reason and not injury-related. The only other guy that was even limited in practice for Kansas City was starting guard Trey Smith, and they had a few guys return in defensive end Mike Dana and wide receiver Mecole Hardman, so the Chiefs are going to be pretty close to full strength on Monday night, and that'll do it for this week's injury report. Here we go, everyone's favorite part of the show, mailbag time. As your weekly reminder, if you'd like to have a question answered on a future show, either tweet them at me, adamholder95, or email them to sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. That's at mholder95 on Twitter, or sbpquestions1 at gmail.com. First up, this week I've been hearing about how the Raiders need to shift to a more run-heavy offense. I don't disagree, but I'm not confident what they're doing can be sustainable long-term. Can you tell me what you're seeing from the offensive line run blocking? Should the Raiders change their offense approach? And then they go on to say that they feel like Josh Jacobs has had a Herculean effort to get the rushing yards, and it's not necessarily what the offensive line is doing. I can say I don't disagree with you at all. I, I mean, 
I definitely think the Raiders offensive line is ahead of probably where we thought they were, at least as run blockers. But then again, it's also hard to say when they've used four starting lineups in four different weeks to really get a great gauge on how well they have been as run blockers. But I definitely agree with your philosophy of being a little bit fearful of leaning on this offensive line in the uh, in the running game. And I think Jacobs has been doing a lot of it on his own. He's leading the league, or second in the league, excuse me, in missed tackles for us and has a ton of yards after contact. If you go look it up, those stats on... Uh, on PFF and all those good sites and stuff like that. So he's definitely doing a little bit more to make this offensive line look better. That being said, I do feel like they can benefit from running the ball a little bit more. I felt like in the first three games, they kind of got away from a little bit too early. Now, part of that was the game dictated that because they were playing from behind for so long and against Arizona, they just couldn't get anything going offensively. So I do think they need to play, run the ball a little bit more. Is it going to be every, or is it going to be, like last week, every week, where Josh Jacobs is getting like 30 carries. No, I don't think it's going to be that. But I do think the magic number for him needs to be around 20. I do think they need to try and run it a little bit more and be a little bit more traditional in their play calling than what we saw in the first three weeks. Obviously, last week was a change. And I do think their running game last week was a little bit more of exposing the the Broncos' run defense than necessarily them you know, in enforcing their will and coming out and they're going to be this ground and pound team like they've got Derrick Henry back there or something like that or a elite run blocking offensive line I think Denver's run defense on the volume stats was really good but if you looked at the efficiency metrics they were average or slightly below average um, as a whole so I think that was part of where that that philosophy that is coming from is they obviously ran the ball really well in their, their most recent game so obviously people are going to call for that but yeah, I definitely agree with you that I don't know if I lean on this offensive line, but at the same time, as I run myself in circles through this answer, I do think they need to have more a more balanced approach to the offense and, and run the ball a little bit more. Um, that being said, that's also an offense with that didn't have Hunter Renfro, and it looks like he'll be back too. So I to sum up what I my rambling here, I'd say they definitely need to run the ball more. I don't know if I can consider it, or I don't know if I say that they really need to get into a complete run first approach if that makes sense next through three games below Nichols has not played well in particular he has not gotten much pass rush pressure why haven't the Raiders signed Sue he's a proven pass rusher so I went back and looked up just to kind of verify on the stats because Nichols has definitely been a little bit of a ghost this year he's got six pressures in four games three of which came against the Titans and I did notice and I did feel like he played well against the Titans overall but yeah obviously not what you're looking for Obviously not the production level that you're hoping for from a, from a free agent defensive tackle. But here's the thing. You guys heard me talk about this with Chandler Jones a little bit and Josh McDaniels' comments. I don't think the coaching staff thinks this is a problem. I think the coaching staff thinks this defensive line is fine. In fact, if you guys have been listening to me all season, you've heard me talk about all the visits that they have. They brought in a ton of linebackers, offensive linemen, obviously, wide receivers even. I don't know if I've named a single defensive lineman that they brought in. So I just don't think the coaching staff really views the defensive line as the problem right now. Now, as far as, you know, lacking production and all that stuff, Nichols did miss a lot of training camp and not to make a ton of excuses for him, but he did miss some time getting back into it and all that good stuff, getting back into the swing of things. So I think we do need to be a little bit more patient with him. But again, I mean, obviously he's another guy that's not producing, but again, I just don't know if the coaching staff really views the defensive line as a weakness right now, so they're not going to make any moves. And I mean, with Sue, look, Ndamukong and Sue's been available for a while. We're week five. The Raiders aren't the only team that have pass rush issues, and they're not the only team that has defensive line issues. 
and Sue's still available. I feel like that kind of tells you where the rest of the league views Sue at this point in his career. And I believe it was Deshaun Reed uh, who tweeted this over the summer when the, those rumors first started going with, uh, with Sue joining the Raiders after he was on NFL Live and all that stuff. And I believe Deshaun said that the Raiders and Sue had mutual interests. The problem was the price tag and that Sue wanted too much money. So, and we've heard about that with the offensive tackle situation a little bit in free agency too. So I just think they haven't found, it's a combination of they don't want to spend that much money for a guy like Sue, for a veteran like Sue. And two, like I said, I just don't think they think it's that big of a problem right now. Last question here. Andy Reid is going to scheme things to attack the Raiders linebackers in pass coverage. What kind of things can Patrick Ram scheme up to protect them? Well, I think for one, probably playing a lot more dime, which would be one linebacker on the field versus two or three. Um, I think this week from the Raiders, you're probably going to see a lot of nickel where they have two linebackers on the field and probably a lot of dime too, or at least more dime than you will see base. For those that don't know, again, dimes one linebacker on the field with six DBs and uh, base would be three linebackers with what is that four DBs on the field. So I think you're going to see them kind of try and hide the linebackers a little bit this week. I also think one of the things about Graham's scheme that kind of can help protect the linebackers a little bit is Graham likes to run a lot of cover two, which will bring the outside corners down in the underneath areas and make it easier for the linebackers to cover. They don't have to cover as much space laterally because obviously they have an extra defender down there to help them out and an extra athletic defender at that. But again, I think you'll see a lot of Jonathan Abram playing some linebacker and playing those underneath areas, which don't trust me, Jonathan Abram is fine in the underneath, just don't put him deep. And I think one thing that's really going to be different about this uh, about this defensive scheme than, than what we saw last year is last year, yes, Gus Bradley was the cover three one high guy, and that was his thing, and that's what he stuck with with the Raiders. He just didn't really, or at least last year against the Chiefs, he didn't have the personnel to run too high. And a matter of fact, I think the few plays that he ran too high, someone pulled up the advanced stats, and I don't remember what it was off the top of my head, but they were actually worse playing the Chiefs in too high because they literally did not have another safety besides Trevon Merrig that can play free safety. This year, the Raiders have that, and they have one that's been playing well in Deron Harmon. So I think that's going to help out, and that'll help out the linebackers too. It'll help the whole coverage unit. That fact that they can play, they can actually play the coverages that have given Patrick Mahomes trouble. And I think schematically, or I don't know if it's necessarily schematically, is more philosophy. I think if you're Patrick Graham, you tell the linebackers to stay deep this week, play action, stay deeper, and play the pass before the run. I think if you look at this team, this Chiefs offense is explosive. They're going to score points. That's It's one of those schemes or one of those units that you just try and slow down. So if I'm Patrick Graham, I'm telling my linebackers, I'm telling my defense as a whole, make them beat you with the running game. Make the Chiefs prove they can run the ball on you rather than trying to being able to, rather than playing it like a normal one where you suck up during play action and like you're talking about, they attack those the middle of the field, the short areas in the middle of the field where the linebackers were. So I think... That would kind of be at least my approach. Granted, I'm not Patrick Graham. I don't know exactly what he's going to be. I can't be in his head doing know exactly what he's going to do. But that's how I would approach this game of, hey, we're going to play the pass first. The Chiefs end up beating us with their running game, which isn't that great. Then, you know, tip your cap and you move on. But again, I think a lot of dime personnel this week is going to help. And those cover two cells are going to help uh, protect those linebackers, hide them a little bit in coverage. So we'll see how the game works out. But Hopefully, uh, hopefully they can at least contain Patrick Mahomes in the air and Andy Reid's obviously amazing scheme as well. All right, guys, that'll do it for this week. And as your weekly reminder, the Raiders play on Monday night on ESPN at 515. 
So don't sit there staring at your TV on Sunday waiting for the Raiders to come on. But they are on primetime this week, baby. So get excited, get hyped. I did want to bring something up next week with the bye coming up. I'm still going to do everything for this podcast like normal, just all the news and questions since there obviously won't be an injury report. And I will be writing on the site like normal, but I'm going to take a week off from the Behind Enemy Lines podcast for those of you that listen to that one too, partially because there is no enemy. And the other part of it is I kind of could use a little bit of a break a little bit to take the uh, bye week to recharge my batteries a little bit, light my load a little bit so uh, I can come back nice and fresh for you guys. Like I said, I'll still be around, still be doing this podcast, still be doing all my normal writing over on silverandblackbride.com. So just going to take uh, one podcast off. I'll give that to you guys. I gave you guys a bonus last one with the Devontae Adams interview, which brings me to another point. Make sure you go check that out, too, if you haven't already. But yeah, so going to be a little bit lighter next week. But as always, make sure you're following Silver and Black Pride. Follow me on Twitter. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Other than that, until next week, guys. <laughs>